This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. And we're back. Yes, we're back again for another episode of the 2.1 cast. Don't look at me like that. You, you, just, don't, to... you just don't know how to say hello, do you? No, we're trying to bring some energy to the proceedings, Stefan. Uh, how are you doing, guys? How are you doing, Jamie Stefan? Uh, I'm pleased to be back. Back. <laughs> What's wrong with both of you, honestly, God? Stefan, how are you, apart from being miserable? Well, I clearly missed out on, you know, the memo and drinking some tonic wine before the show. All right, yeah, getting tonto. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll just jump straight into the story or the ongoing story of Scottish football moment, which has to be uh, Rangers, uh, the kind of riot that's For the happened. past five years. Yeah, it, 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 it always seems to be calm before another storm. Uh, the star in the banter year special. <laughs> well, Pedro Coutinho has been sacked, and I think we're just going to discuss today, well, first of all, anyway, who's going to succeed him. There's a few names being thrown around, a couple who are the, the usual suspects. Uh, let's start with the bookie's favourite, which is Derek McInnes. Is he the front runner to take over at Ibrox, Graham? Uh, is the usual suspect Stuart Baxter? Because he seems to get... I was like, going to say Billy Davis. Billy but, uh, Davis. Yeah. Uh, Derek McInnes, yes, he is the, the one... First of all, I'll start by, by saying I don't know... Derek McInnes keeps his cards very close to his chest whether in terms of whether he wants this job or even we've heard reports of Aberdeen wanting 1.5 million in compensation. We don't really know if Rangers have that kind of money. We were discussing whether they had the money in the first place to sack Pedro Cachina. So there are a lot of unknowns. But um, in terms of the obvious front runner, you would have to say Derek McInnes, as we discussed last week, um, is the one that you, you would look to, obviously, on the basis of what he's done at Aberdeen and going along with this rhetoric of Rangers men, which I think we'll talk about later in the podcast. Um, he is a Rangers man, so to speak. So, uh, yes, front runner, I would say. Yeah, he seems to cover all bases. He's, a, like you say, he's a Scottish coach. He knows the league. He knows Rangers. And he is a good coach. Um, I think if there's a Venn diagram of, you know, talented coaches who could coach Rangers and the other circle would be like the demands that some sections of the Rangers support or even just the pundits in the media are demanding which, we'll, like we say, we'll talk about later on. McInnes is probably the only one who fits in the middle there. Um, and he seems to be the only one who would keep everyone happy. And I've heard some Rangers fans saying they're not too um, convinced. And actually, someone suggested McCall. Stuart McCall's actually done a better job in Scottish football in that time with Motherwell. And he's actually succeeded in England as well. So perhaps he'd be a better shout. I think the thing is, I think Rangers fans would maybe associate him with that disastrous playoff against Motherwell as well. Yeah, and, and, and also... McCall's done a decent job, though. Has Stuart McCall... Has, has, I would contend that point. I don't know whether Stuart McCall has done anywhere near as good a job as McInnes. I mean, Mc, he did Mc, a much, he did, no, he did a much he better job. He did a really good job place, at Motherwell. Yeah, yeah. But he took them to second place, but not... Did he take them first to second place for two... No, th third place. I'm getting so confused place, yeah. in, in the years that he did it in third place. Mm -hmm. And then they finished... Then, yeah, he did finish in third place because then the following season was when shit hit the fan with Rangers and, and then they got punted into the Champions League qualifiers. Motherwell, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so they finished third two seasons in a row. Um, and Behind Celtic and Rangers. Behind Celtic and Rangers. With a um, much smaller budget. 
but there was not the success in the cup competition. So Aberdeen would have, if it wasn't I'm for not, Celtic. I'm not, I'm not literally comparing what I, what Aberdeen have done and what Motherwell have done. I'm only saying some. People no, I know suggested. some people. I know you're saying some people have made that point. I know it's not your point, but um, yeah, I'm, uh, I was going to make the point about Derek McInnes's character actually um, and his personality. He seems. That was always an issue with Cachinho, wasn't it? He didn't really, as we discussed at length last week, was he didn't really seem to be able to, to handle um, being Rangers manager and all that comes with that. Uh, obviously, you don't really know until he goes into the post if that happens, but Derek McInnes, for me, seems like someone who could who can handle that um, and he's got experience of it as a player. I remember going when I used to work at STV, going through every week Derek McInnes' press conferences which were always an ordeal and those were the ones you didn't want to have to go through not because you know there was anything bad he said it was because he said he had a tendency to say nothing at all which is a journalist's nightmare however from a club point of view and as we know from what club media and club press officers want that's the ideal scenario is you want to come at a press conference and go what the hell was the line out of that so him, um, him and Jackie McNamara were always the, Jackie the McNamara, weekly yeah, was, shite bags yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shite bags that's quite a making friends <laughs> making friends <laughs> slanderous claim but yes I know what you mean um, yeah so I think he would he would be able to handle that would they be able to get him before the end of the season I think this is the thing to me at least I think it would be a, 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 it's a really unlikely they'd be able to Get away from Aberdeen before the end of the season, particularly if it was. I mean, surely I mean, if they did more money, then if they did, it would it would have to be a case of Rangers just going over the top of Aberdeen, you know, buying its contract, whatever, and then just taking it from there, and then having to pay the utmost compensation. Um, I think, you know, in a perfect world, from a Rangers point of view, I think well, obviously bringing him in first and foremost as soon as possible makes sense, but I think maybe the ideal scenario would be that. He, agrees to join at the end of the season maybe and then Rangers have some sort of interim coach maybe Marty stays on to the end of the year and then that gives Aberdeen time to find a replacement and then there's maybe although I guess you could argue there is no love lost between the two clubs these days anyway but it would it seemed like the more cordial way of going about things having said that and also just to add on to what Graham was saying about how McInnes is usually quite tight-lipped and he's quite smart about what he talks about I actually think in the last couple of weeks he's been a bit far he's been far more careless in front of the cameras um Against Celtic, you know, in that post-match interview with in Celtic game, he was quite candid and he was quite open about the fact that, you know, he's like, he almost seemed like, for the first time in quite a while, he was quite resigned to just saying, you know, we're never going to catch Celtic. No matter what we do, we can't catch them. And it was almost like he was admitting, I've taken this Aberdeen side as well as, I, as, as, well as, I, as, as far as I can. You know, he said that their best player was a youngster on loan from Celtic, their best player from the season before, was sitting on Celtic's bench, rotting away. And then after those are all true things, though. No, of course they are. No, of course they are. But no, but the point I'm making is that he's usually a bit more reserved and saying, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll fight on, blah blah blah." But this time, he, it seemed to me that he's accepted it, almost that he's he has taken the Aberdeen side as far as he has. And I know it's perfectly reasonable for him to think that, for him to actually suggest that in front of a camera to be a bit different. And then uh, after the the weekend game there, he was asked about the Rangers job and. Now, this might be me with my journalist hat on and I might be reading into this too much and that's fine, but he didn't deny it. You know, he didn't. He said, you know, speculation that this has come up before and I've tended to ignore it and get on with the job, but, it, you know, his face didn't turn when he was asked about that straight after the game. He was quite happy to talk about it. Yeah, maybe, quite, maybe in the past he would have kind of been a bit nippy about it and exactly. shut it down. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. He didn't shut it down at all. 
and it seemed to me as if like he, he was quite enjoying the idea of being linked to the job. So it's, sorry, but it's, it's been a week on the, along those lines. It's been a week since Pedro Cristina was sacked, and when he was sacked, the f- obvious name everyone said was Derek McInnes. A week's passed, and we're still talking about Derek McInnes. I feel like if it wasn't a possibility, somewhere along the line there would have been an intervention there, someone saying he's not going. Instead, we've heard lines about compensation. We've heard him refuse to deny it, as you say. So it all reading between the lines, as I say, we. I don't have any insider information on it, but going on what is what has uh, come out in the media, uh, he's he's at least open to the idea. I mean, nobody can deny he's done a great job at Pitodri, but it's a, a totally different kettle of fish coming to to Rangers. They are a bigger club. There's more pressure there. They're in a, they're in a bad way right now. Mm-hmm. Would this current Rangers team be a good fit for McInnes in terms of? his style of play, or would he have to, it would again be another rebuilding job? And again, that's something we, we don't know if Rangers can afford in terms of, if they're going to shell it for him, can they throw money at him like they threw money at Coutinho last summer? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that was something that really stood out for me as well when I was thinking about this earlier on about, and it kind of fits in with what I was just saying about how he seemed quite resigned to the fact he's taken Aberdeen as far as he can. If he was to get Rangers back on track and he's finishing second with them every year and still a good arm's length away from Celtic, He's, all he would have done is taken Rangers to the point they'd taken Aberdeen to. Do I think, do I think Rangers can feasibly catch Celtic right now? I, do, I don't. I think, I, think, I think it'd have to be a genuine outstanding amount of money for them. They wouldn't, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have to match Celtic spending. They'd have to surpass it to catch up with them. Um, and I, I don't think that's possible. So if that's the case, then is McInnes you know, jumping out the paw into the fire where he's going from a one club that can't match Celtic to another one but the second one have far more expectations to do so. Do you think if Celtic this summer had the loss of maybe Brendan Rodgers, Adembele and lost some other good players, then of course they'll still have more money than Rangers, but surely that would be a big part in the, the gap closing as well? Well, I mean, it, it would obviously be a massive, massive loss. hypothetical, but, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, huge hypothetical. Um, Plural. But... I, if if McInnes comes in and everything at Rangers goes well <laughs> and everything at Celtic goes badly, yeah. <laughs> will they be unable? Will, will it be within 10 points? Of the, of the uh, well, my answer is actually still going to be no because I, I think um, it's, it's a, it's a Celtic are a generation ahead of Rangers. It's not just the players that they have on the pitch. It's, it's the way they can spend money. It's the scouting network. I mean, just this week, Rangers have appointed their scouts the director of football was appointed in the summer and we're now in the heading into November and they've just appointed their scouts. And scouts scouts take time to actually do their job. So um, it's, Rangers are a long, long way behind Celtic, not just on, on the pitch, but off the pitch. And I think that t- coming all the way back around has an effect on the pitch. So even if th- that doomsday scenario you imagine <laughs> came to pass, I, I, I still think it's really difficult for Rangers to get close to Celtic. Yeah, but going back to the immediate term, there's... There's obviously players in that squad at Rangers who could do with a, you could argue, a, a proper coach getting the best out of them. Graham Dorn's a perfect example. I think the defence does have, I mean, it depends whether or not Lee, Lee Walls comes back into this team or not, but you've got young players like Declan John, Tavini on the right. Yeah, McCrory as well. McCrory, of course. Um, and you've got a midfield and attacking line there, which I think is okay. Um, Windass seems to be blowing really hot and cold, so they might have to bring a left winger there, but... There's a, there's a pun intended there. When Dass is blowing <laughs> hot and cold. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Good. Um, but no, there's, there's, there's definitely... I mean, that's, that's, that's entirely probably why Cachino ended up getting sacked because they do have a squad that should be at least challenging Aberdeen for second place and McInnes would 
bringing a media uh, upgrade to that. The, the thing um, that I would point out is, I think when we spoke about um, Rangers maybe last week or the week before, we probably sp- spend a lot of time talking about Rangers. Um, they, the thing that we mentioned there was a flaw in their team was from moving the ball from midfield into attack. And that's where Aberdeen tend to be really quite good. Um, Adam Rooney, I know a lot of Aberdeen fans, I know that they've got Stevie May this season, but a lot of Aberdeen fans recently, I've heard them saying Adam Rooney, he kind of divides opinion yeah, in Audrey, which was surprising to me as well, but they watch him more than I do. And, and they, they didn't think he was really that great a striker. So that speaks volumes of the players that were behind him. Your Johnny Hayes, your Niall McGinn this season, you've got uh, yeah Scott Wright now this season, Ryan Christie this season. So Derek McInnes knows how to get the best out of not so much the strikers, but the people just behind the strikers. And that is maybe where Rangers are at the weakest. I mean, Windass is blowing hot and cold. Um, and uh, Grim Dorans, I, I don't really know if that is his position, but hasn't been that great. Pena as well, we're not entirely sure what he does or if that is his position. So there's a lot of, that, that is maybe the weakest part of Rangers team. So if they were going to spend money, that's where it would be. And obviously um, the Jamie Walker uh, rumours would start up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, let's kind of move away from McInnes for the time being. What about Alan Pardew? <laughs> There's a question for life. going to let that hang there. Uh, what about Alan Pardew? Pardiola, a worthy <laughs> successor to Warbiola. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Remember when they used to call him Warbiola? Alan Pardew is a, is a Corinthian club man, isn't he? He would love it up here for the Corinthian club. <laughs> for a minute there, I thought you meant the Brazilian football club. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, wow, that's a, no, that's no, a no, left no, field no, shirt. No, no. Good pre-season friendly. He, he belongs in Brazilian football. <laughs> no, he belongs in the Corinthian. He belongs yeah. in a casino that's open till six in the morning. <laughs> you know, specs on, lensless specs on, brown brogues, oh, yeah. few tonight, cocktails. Mate. Not tonight, mate. <laughs> yeah. uh, funny you should say that, actually. I was out for dinner on Friday and... I turned round and Pedro Coutinho was there. This was the Friday, the day after he was sacked. He's still in Glasgow. Yeah, him and his two assistants absolutely sinking bottles of wine uh, in this Glasgow restaurant. Uh, com- compensation payment. Yeah, just that's that, that Straight down the town that's with that 500k. it. 500k. <laughs> Probably get a flight like at four in the morning so I just go out tonight. I'm amazed he's still in Glasgow. I know, I know. I heard someone else said they saw him walking his dog like the day after like, a Rangers jumper How as good well. would it be if he stuck around and just didn't it. leave? On that note, I saw I saw Natural Novo. Uh, I had the rather good five sides last night as oh, well. Really? So yeah, for all for all just dropping hints here. Big hitters. I know. I'll probably another one linked to the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll get, Ferguson's anything to go by. We'll get we'll get to that later. Okay. Well, very soon, unfortunately. <laughs> Pardew is not going to happen, is it? I, I would be surprised. Alan Pardew, I think whether he should be or not will be on will demand a lot of money. Um, and I'd be surprised if he's in the, the wage bracket that Rangers can afford. But he's apparently the one pushing it. Um, <laughs> Pardew. Pardew's such a strange one. There there are, there have been points over yeah. Pardew's career where I've thought he's doing a good job. Is West Ham he did quite well, didn't he? Newcastle. West Ham, Newcastle for a time. Yeah. And even at Crystal Palace at the start, he, he did reasonably well. Um, but very quickly, things seem to turn to shit under Alan Pardew. And he's the worst guy imaginable <laughs> so he's like the thinking man's tim sherwood isn't he yeah uh well and and what's tim sherwood like the the, the thinking man's nobody <laughs> well the thing is like he he's known as well for being quite he gets quite heated and he's got a bad temper and that's in the game a newcastle hull game which isn't exactly like 
Yeah. An old farm game or like a, a river. Well, like all of them have to wear like bulletproof vests. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't get hit by it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's there's something dangerous behind suggestions like Pardew because that whenever this when the job came up, the bookies just filled the boots with, you know, a generic list of twelve British managers who. Yeah, well, Big Sam's probably the only one I think is actually quite good. I think Big Sam's probably out of their reach. Big Sam, this is on the week that Big Sam came out and said that he doesn't know much about the US national team, but he wouldn't mind what he wouldn't mind coaching there. Bet you wouldn't. You know, <laughs> I mean, so I think he's just looking for a payday, to be honest with yeah. you. So yeah, and this is this is this is the other troubling issue. I think that um, I think Rangers fans are probably quite concerned about, or they would be if they did bring in someone like Pardew. Not only. Um, did Kishinya have to prove himself and then ultimately didn't? I think the board still have to prove themselves because since they've came in, they went for Pereira, who they didn't get, who's gone on to be an absolute disaster every job he's had since then. Warburton didn't work. Um, he came in, he did quite well in the championship, then it all fell apart and it was actually quite theatrical towards the end. And then Kishinya as well. So that's, that's, two, that's two coaches they brought in that didn't work and the third who was supposed to come in who looked like he wasn't going to work either. So... You know, we have to hold the board accountable to the coach as much as the coach is accountable to the team. And if they don't bring in this new, if they don't, if they, if this new uh, coach they bring in doesn't do it properly, um, you know, there's some real issues there. I mean, and it's not just it's not just about winning games week to week. They also have to prove to Rangers fans that there's an actual long term plan here. You know, Graham mentioned about Mark Allen and the scouting network coming in. Mark Allen's supposed to be the director of football, which means he's supposed to be in charge of recruitment, he's supposed to be in charge of long-term planning at the squad, and at most football clubs, the director of football is also in charge of the coach. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case here if, you know, Kachina's run around one week to the next, hair on fire, they sack him, and all Mark Allen's doing is like, oh, I've, I, found, I found five scouts, by the way, you know, and he's taking too long to do so. So Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the chat still seems to be about Dave King and board members picking the next manager. Yeah, that is exactly what's happening. Why is Mark Allen not picking the next manager? And if, if he's not picking the next manager, the structure is still not in place. After all this time saying Rangers need a director of football, then they finally get a director of football and everyone goes, OK, good, they've recognised the problem. Well, not really. If they've not given full control to the director of football, I, 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 the, this is the first... When we're talking about the scouting network announcement, um, this is that's the first kind of public thing that Mark Allen has done, and I wonder if it is, I wonder if it's too much of a coincidence that it's come after Kashinia's gone, it, it, and they've kind of went right now you can go public. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't have a much more like a, a major hand in this new appointment because I think, as you say, they know their heads are on the chopping block now because. Mm. It's been an absolute mess. It's they need to stop. They need mess. to stop appointing managers on the recommendation of individual board members. There needs to be some form of holistic approach to appointing a manager because, of course, Warburton was the recommendation of King and Murray. Yeah. And Kashinia was uh, the Parks on the recommendation of Pedro, Pedro Mendes. Mendes. Yep. So that's not how you. That's not really how you find managers. You compile a short list and you interview managers and you do your homework on well, them as a, a group. Well, it is, an old, it is a way of doing it. It's an old-fashioned way of doing it. It's how coaches and clubs used to run in the past. And, it's, and it's, it, it doesn't equate to this concept that Rangers are moving forward under the new boards. I mean, and, and I'm sure some Rangers fans might be screaming at the phone right now saying, you know, they've only just kind of got back on their feet to an extent and it's a process and that's fine. And maybe they're planning to move into a situation where the boards don't have to be so hands-on, but 
if the board are still picking these coaches and these coaches won't work, then if it, it falls on them, you know, it lands the, the, the problems land at their feet, and then and then and then what do you do if the coach if the board keep picking wrong coaches, then the, the club's not going to move forward. You said this to me yesterday, Graham, about um, about Steve Clark. Now, if he had been available. Do you think Rangers would have taken because he seems like it could have been quite a good fit. They could have done a lot worse than Steve Clark. Oh, uh, absolutely. He, for me, uh, Steve Clark. Even look looking past the two excellent results he's had and and his first two games. Um, even before that, I can honestly say I would have considered Steve Clark as a front runner along with Derek McInnes for this job. I I can I remember talking weeks weeks ago when we we're talking about the Scotland job. I put him forward for the Scotland job. So. Um, we've spoken about how much of a, a coup that was for Kilmarnock. Um, I I don't know if I just wonder what he what he thinks Steve Clark if he if he regrets maybe not holding on a little bit or whether he is bought into the project of Kilmarnock. I mean, there's an appeal to taking a team that are near the bottom of the table and see, you know especially a young team and seeing what you can do with them. But yeah, Steve Clark was was a guy that I thought um, would have suited that job well. So it, it's quite. Uh, coincidental that he's just uh, gone off the market a week before that job became available. So let's move on to Rangers men. We've heard a lot in the past week about a Rangers man should be involved in this job or should take the job and people who are involved in Rangers right now should have blue blood coursing through their veins. Is there any value in this opinion? Simple, simple as that. No. No. It's, it's a farce. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there are there are certain pundits in the media right now in Scottish football, and I don't have to name them. Probably, I'm sure Graham might. Um, you know, ex ex Rangers players who, for one reason or another, seem to enjoy the um, the constant gaze of the BBC and others, actually, newspaper columns as well, and they consistently talk absolute pish. Um, to put it bluntly, um, this constant is, and, and it's another thing that is a, a dangerous. It's a dang, It's a dangerous thought. Um, you know, to the idea of have of just bringing a, a British manager, the idea that it has to be a Rangers man, the idea that it has to be a British man, the idea you can maybe narrow that scope even further, which people might be uncomfortable with, is is baffling to me, and and it, and it kind of, to me, it kind of reminds me a bit of what happened with Bertie Volts, where he was almost chased out of this country to a certain extent and he, he had no qualms about it. He was convinced it was because he was a foreigner, which is a terrible indictment on Scottish football. Um, and if you have former Rangers players who are suggesting as much about Rangers, then I, I, think, their, I think their opinion should be ignored. What, what is a Rangers man? Is it, I, I, assume, I assume it's... Um I mean, it sounds like a terrible superhero, Rangers man. But... <laughs> um, but is it someone who has been, who's come up through the ranks of Rangers or, because if it is, you're never, how can you possibly improve if you're for, forever just repeating the same identity of a club? It, it, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Obviously, the one, the blue blood uh, comment comes from Barry Ferguson, who I'm sorry is a tube. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's earned that tag in recent weeks. Um, because it's not so long ago, last week, he was talking about how the Scotland manager needed to needs to be Scottish. Now, I can uh, 
I can understand and grasp that point if he's talking about the rules of the na of the international football that FIFA should Im impose that uh, the national team, you know, sh the manager should be from that nation. Um, I don't agree with that, but I can understand that point. His argument when he when he made this point was, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I swear I'm not doing him a disservice. Was uh, yeah, you know, I think it should be a Scottish manager. It's worked for other countries. That was his, it, it looked at, it looked at other countries and went, other countries have had a, a great deal of success with this, but it's not for us. That was his point. Tube. Signed your dad. Signed your dad. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that we're not too happy. Like, the whole point of us setting up this entire company was to dismint, to push against this whole rent-a-quote culture in the media. But, and to be fair, it's not just a pro, it's not as if it's like a ranger specific thing. I mean, when Gordon Strachan was at Celtic, he was constantly talked down as not being a Celtic man. Even huge clubs like Barcelona seem to put extra emphasis on coaches or people who come from uh, It's not those. just Rangers, absolutely. No, absolutely. It's, it's, just, it's, not, it's not a Rangers problem. But, you know, these guys are all saying um, you have to have someone who understands the pressure and the expectation and the way things work at Ibrox. If there's this, if, if if there's a culture at Ibrox, or if there's a setup at, Rain, at Ibrox, or if there's a specific way of doing things at Rangers that means only someone who's played there or only someone who's coached there can do it, then that has to change. Because surely, if the club want to be successful, they need to be able to make sure that any coach from anywhere in the world can come in. And I mean, sure, there's there's always going to be the issue if you bring in a, a an exceptionally foreign coach who has no interest or no insight in Scottish football, then that can cause a problem. But you should be able to have a working environment where a foreign coach can come in and with a proper scouting network and a proper coaching and training setup, he can come straight in and do what he can do at any other top club around the world. It's almost as if, as if um, these people who spoke about Rangers men have forgotten how many outsiders have come into Rangers in the past. Rangers used to be a club that reveled in the fact that they went to the rest of the world and got these fantastic players mm. and managers, Dick Advocate for one, was McLeish, he a Rangers McLeish man when he came wasn't a Rangers man when McLeish he came McLeish wasn't a Rangers man, obviously that's a little bit later than the kind of era I'm talking yeah. about, but you know, Brian uh, Loudrop, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, all these fantastic players who went on to become Rangers legends, were these Rangers men? No, of course they weren't. They may have earned that tag. They may now, in the eyes of these people, be considered Rangers men. But to become a Rangers man, you need to be inducted into the club in some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's talk about targeting a British manager. Then we briefly touched on it there. More in the more in terms of have we learned anything from Le Guin and Coutinho? In terms of have we, learned, have we learned any lessons from their tenures in charge at Ibrox? And as Scottish football as a whole, I don't think has learned any lessons, but we should have learned lessons. Um, the discussion after Le Guin was the wrong one. Le Guin was a failure. Le, Le Guin was hired to be a manager of a club after he'd been a coach yeah. at Lyon. He was always uh, the wrong appointment for Rangers. There was a misunderstanding, from, not just from Rangers, but from the press and from fans as well of what he was, and that's why he failed, not because he was French. Yeah, and that's not just a problem at Rangers. It happens a lot in English football as well when you have coaches coming from Spain and Germany and Italy where every single football club in Germany has a director of football and the coach is there to coach the team and that's it. it the British football still has this idea that the manager is the manager of the club in that sense that he does the coaching, he does the training, he does. he's the one who's you know, he's scouting players, he's the one who's you know sitting down with them 
hard uh, deal, uh, sorting out deals and sorting out transfers along with the chairman maybe. And that's that's a completely different job remit to the modern football coach in Europe. And that has to, and I think that's, and that's why, you know, Celtic to a certain extent have that in Peter Lowell who, despite what might be the chief executive, he's also largely a director of football as well. Um, and Rangers, when they brought in Mark Allen, that's what he was supposed to do. And I don't know, I think I was quite troubled by the fact that I think certain corners of the Scottish media were absolutely itching to make Le Guin comparisons to Pedro Coutinho as soon as he came in. And, you know, when the whole situation with Kenny Miller came up, that it was like, you know, it was like a, what's the expression, a red rag to a bull, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and well, we he will, was the Barry Ferguson of the piece. Yeah. And that, those will be continued to make. If, if, if Scottish football, if certain sections of Scottish football think that you have to be Scottish to succeed in Scottish football, then that's a trouble. Then, and if that's if there's any truth to that, then we have to change Scottish football so it doesn't work. Can we talk about Kenny Miller briefly? Then, does the new manager need to keep him happy? Is is he that power broker in the dressing room? Um, I am unsure on that. I feel here's my hunch on what happened with the Kenny Miller thing. And again, I will stress it's a hunch. Um, I think. Well, let me let me bring the, the lawyer in here for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's what seems likely is that maybe through Kenny Miller, a story ended up in the press, but not directly from Kenny Miller. Again, I'll stress stress this as a hunch. Um, and Kashinia has somehow Kashinia pinpointed him as a leak, even though he didn't directly leak it. So Kenny Miller is, was. The confusion came from, and the standoff, Kenny Miller saying, well, I didn't leak it to the press because he technically didn't, and Pedro Cachinho saying, well, it's ended up in the press and this has clearly come from you. So that's that was what I felt uh, came from it. So is he a power broker? I feel like the whole situation may have been completely <laughs> completely come from a, a misunderstanding. Um, he clearly has something. To, how many comebacks? Is, he's immortal, Kenny Miller. Um, I was thinking that after the game against Hearts the weekend. I, He's still got something to offer this Rangers team. I can't deny that he does um, because he came in to that game and scored two goals that proved to give Rangers probably their best win of the season so far. And an assist as well. An assist, yeah. So he clearly has something to offer. Um, so I don't know, obviously don't know the dynamic in that dressing room, but it's not just about keeping him happy. He should be in the fold because he clearly is good enough to, as I say, offer something. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, to be honest. I think... I think Kishinia came in and I think he clearly labelled that, you know, Rangers couldn't rely on Kenny Miller forever. They had an excellent striker coming in, Alfredo Morelos, and I think that Kishinia made the decision, well, I can only use one of these guys going forward, and if it's going to be the 36, 37-year-old or the player who's just scored a bucket load in Scandinavia, then I'll go with the latter. Put him on the bench then. So I'm not saying Kenny Miller should be the first-choice Rangers striker, I'm just mm-hmm. saying he has something to offer somewhere. I know, and this is this is it's exceptionally difficult to make this point after that Hearts game. But you have to remember that for the first like eight or nine games of the season, or the games that he played in, he was absolutely atrocious, yeah. and Coutinho was completely vindicated in not playing him. Mm-hmm. Then the leaks came out, and then the trouble started, and then you know a series of things that didn't really relate to either uh, to Kenny Miller at all ended up costing Coutinho's job. But here's the thing, the next coach who comes in who has a long-term plan will also probably think the exact same thing. I can't rely on Kenny Miller for any more than maybe the next six or seven months. And if, it's a, and if it is someone like Derek McInnes, who 
will quite make it abundantly clear it's his way of the highway. Kenny Miller is going to have to either fall in line, as he was made to do under uh, Pedro Cuchinho, or, as he might have done, he'll kick off a fuss again. And if that's the case, Rangers might have to make a decision who, which, which one it is. I, I do not dispute that Rangers should be moving on from Kenny Miller. Um, however, the problem for Cuchinho was that the whole thing came up after... The, win- the transfer window had, had closed, so you need, to, you need to be pragmatic about things. You need to go, okay, well, try and keep him in the fold until January, and then, then we can actually do something about it, because that happens all the time. You know, players, players uh, a manager thinks, I want rid of this player, and if you can get rid of him in the window, not a problem. He leaves, and that's fine, but that was an issue for Cuchinho. Was as soon as that, it was almost as if as soon as that window shut, it, be- it became an issue. I mean, there's a simple way you can keep him happy, make him manager. Take him <laughs> oh, that was the chat, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's been chat of Ali McCoy. Well, no, sorry, it was Ali McCoy's has not ruled out wanting to return either. Well, He's I, still I, got a lot of gardening to be, to be done, to be honest. I feel like a good 90% of the, of the candidates, which I put in air quotes for anyone who can't watch what we're doing, obviously, because of the podcast, um, are people who have pushed themselves forward for the job. You know, it's nothing to do with actually who the clubs might be recruiting or who actually might be good for the job. It's just, it's Alan McCoy saying he wants the job. It's Kenny Miller saying he wants the job. It's Alex McLeish will not shut up about wanting the Rangers job, even though all these people would be absolutely atrocious for it. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, just the usual shout outs. You can follow The 2.1 on social media. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at The 2.1. And you know, can also find more articles and all the ways to subscribe at The2.1.com.